You know, Jackie, kalokohan lang naman yung mga trustful na yun eh. Like, I don't believe that it does anything to help me feel better about my office mates. Well, yeah, that's warranted, I guess, based on your own experience. But there can be some activities like a trust fall where they would be meaningful and helpful to some teams. We've seen some of that. Kailangan mo ba ng mas makabuluhang chismisan sa pantry? Listen to more conversations about work, both hot takes and thoughtful takes with me, Carl Javier, and Jackie Caniza on The Imaginable Workplace. Check it out on Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Bella Perez Rubio, and you're listening to Teka Teka. In this episode... Coming here, really just, uh, I do not think it be perfectly uh, I did not think it raised the intensity, just demonstrated how the intensity of the conflict has, has been, it has been at that level for a good while. That was President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. speaking to U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken on August 6th. He was reflecting on the alarming chain of events set off by U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. U.S. Speaker Pelosi had barely been gone from Taiwan a day when China made good on its threat to unleash a raft of military drills in response to her visit, deploying warships and sending fighter jets and missiles to fly over the self-governing island that Beijing claims as its own. Taipei is accusing Beijing of simulating an invasion as four powerful U.S. vessels reportedly traversed the area, leaving the whole Southeast Asian region wary of getting caught between two world powers. But first, let's back up. Why is China so offended by the U.S. officials' visit to Taiwan? Listen to Jaime Naval, assistant professor at UP Diliman's Political Science Department on One News' agenda. You have to look at the relationship between the United States and China as a whole. The United States, politically, diplomatically, in the 1970s, as it recognized China, Beijing, switching from Taiwan's uh, Republic of China government to the People's Republic of China, has uh, vowed to observe the one-China policy. China has been very stern and firm in asserting that Taiwan is a part of its territory, but then... The reality is on the ground is that Taiwan has its own government, has its own state, and exercises sovereignty. So there's a legal fiction that's there. But nonetheless, the United States has committed diplomatically, politically, to recognize only PRC. China claims that Pelosi's trip violates their one-China policy, which states there's only one China, and Taiwan and Hong Kong are a part of it. But America's exact commitments under the one-China policy have always been quite ambiguous. As Naval points out, the U.S. enjoys a robust, unofficial relationship with Taiwan and has been arming the island for decades. 
following the switch from Taipei to Beijing in 1978, the Carter administration has uh, also passed a Taiwan Relations Act, which gives a special stature to Taiwan, and that, among others, it includes the provision of defense articles and coming to render defense services to Taiwan following their respective constitutional process. So Taiwan is part of that big picture and complicated picture at the moment in the scheme of things. That brings us back to the present. Pelosi is the highest American official to visit Taiwan in 25 years and likely adding to China's anger. She is a long-time and dogged critic of Beijing and its track record of rights abuses. And because she's from a co-equal branch of government, not even the White House could prevent her from going, although it did publicly discourage her from doing so. So all this begs the question, what does this mean for the Philippines? And what can we do to protect ourselves and our interests? Here's Professor Naval again. Even as Pelosi was a... haven't even landed in Taiwan. Right away, we are, we are affected directly. Aviation, air traffic, Taiwan had to sound us off regarding rerouting or other arrangements given the possible rerouting that could occur and the dangers that the provocations can yield. We have how many thousands, tens of thousands of workers in Taiwan. If a shooting war or a miscalibration occurs, obviously we have overseas Filipinos who would be directly affected. And of course, there's also the mutual defense treaty with the U.S. to consider, often a comforting thought when it comes to the South China Sea, but a cause for concern when it comes to other disputes in the region. We have a standing military alliance, a treaty with the United States. We could ask, what if the United States is in is attacked and then the U.S. invokes, would the Philippines come into the fray? On the other hand, also, China is our largest trading partner as far as the region is concerned. And the second that we have in terms of uh, our global trade uh, picture. So there's real heavy significance on the relations we have bilaterally with these two rival powers, which are now having these verbal exchanges. We would be affected if this gets out of hand. Before the Philippines could even get a word in, Beijing's embassy here was quick to remind the government to abide by the One China policy, a move rebuked by opposition senator Risa Honteveros on One News talk show, Agenda. I mean, imagine you are an ambassador of your country in a foreign country and you tell the host country what policy to sustain. He was so out of line, out of place. And uh, I just had to call his attention on that. My minority leader, Coco Pimentel, did the same. Amid all this tension, another high-ranking U.S. official, top diplomat Antony Blinken, dropped by the region to reassure anxious allies. On August 6, he met with President Marcos at Malacanang, the first cabinet-level official to do so, and then headed to the DFA to meet with Foreign Affairs Secretary Enrique Manalo. During a joint press conference with Secretary Manalo, Blinken confirmed that China had cut off communications with the U.S. over Pelosi's visit. An alarming move that effectively shut down eight critical areas of cooperation between the two superpowers. They've also suspended all climate cooperation with the United States. The world's largest carbon emitter is now refusing to engage 
on combating the climate crisis. Suspending climate cooperation doesn't punish the United States. It punishes the world, particularly the developing world. The Philippines knows how alarming this is. As a nation of thousands of islands, they're especially vulnerable to climate change. China walking away from climate talks could have lasting consequences for the future of the region, the future of our planet. The stakes are extremely high. So what can a small country like the Philippines do? Professor Naval says, exercise diplomacy. My message or advice would be to encourage both parties to tone down the rhetoric and engage in more constructive arrangements. That's where diplomacy comes in. We are not merely passive. We are not allowing the situation to force us to choose one or the other. But we could be more proactive in our statement in saying that we hope that these two countries would be able to tone down and reduce the tension. The Department of Foreign Affairs did issue a statement to that effect. And at the same press conference with Blinken, Secretary Manalo emphasized the importance of continued communication between all parties involved. From the Philippine perspective, very important that the lines of communication be maintained between uh, the parties concerned, especially as a way of trying to um, prevent uh, matters from escalating and reducing tensions. And the Philippines will always see how we can encourage to maintain such lines of communication. America, for its part, continues to position itself as the adult in the room, vowing to do what it can to de-escalate the situation. Here's Secretary Blinken with the final word. The United States doesn't believe that it's in the interest of Taiwan, the region, or our own national security to escalate this situation. We'll keep our channels of communication with China open with the intent of avoiding escalation due to misunderstanding or miscommunication. In the days to come, you will see the United States remaining steady. We'll stand with the Philippines, with all our allies and partners. We'll work through regional organizations like ASEAN to enable friends in the region to make their own decisions free from coercion. And we'll continue to support Taiwan and prostrate peace and stability because we know that a free and open Indo-Pacific demands it. And that was today's episode of Teca Teca. Again, I'm Bella Perez-Rubio. This episode was produced by Kat Ventura and edited by Preska Pistrano. If you liked today's episode, share it with a friend or two. And follow Teca Teca and Puma Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're excited to build our community with you. And it looks like we'll be able to meet for events real soon. So if you want to stay in the loop, please go to pumapodcast.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.